Hello and welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. We're so glad you are listening and we hope you continue to do so. We are temporarily taking a break from our John series and kicking off our break from John is something new to young adults. Certainly no stranger to the Calvary Tabernacle and Indiana Bible College crowds. This episode's speaker is Georgian Pedigo, who will be teaching out of the book of Acts, chapter 16. His sermon is titled, Scars and Stripes. I appreciate the opportunity to be up here and get to talk to you all a little bit. Thank you, Brother Brzezinski, for asking, and Zach for giving me a nice introduction, which I don't really deserve. But uh, write a passage. There we go. I'm an adult now. So I hope I can speak to you as an adult. Uh, don't make, let them make you nervous. I'm not going to say anything like weird. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you all for just being here. I, this is the way I like it. We're just all going to sit here and talk. I, I like, I'm, a, I'm a very laid-back person. So I'm just going to talk, and, you know, you can listen. If you don't listen, that's, uh, that's between you and God. So uh, at a certain point, there's only so much I can do. So, uh, just messing around. Uh, if I can turn your attention, though, while I'm kind of getting set up here, I'm not usually long-winded, so you can rest easy, but I'm going to go to Acts 16, 16 uh, through, let's look how long I'm going to go here, 23. So, I'm not going to set up a little timer, because that's going to take up more time, but it's 810 right now. So, he, he, for the moon, he gets done sometimes around 930, and I'm probably going to go till 820. So, <laughs> we'll get started here. Uh, the topic I want to talk to you tonight is something that kind of hit me the other day. I found this in Acts 16, and uh, I'd never really caught it before, and I've never really heard it caught before in, while preaching this, and it's a great passage of Scripture. It's really faith-building, and I, you know, I personally, it, it's one of our favorites as an apostolic core. We love the story of Paul and Silas, correct, you know, in the prison, and we love that story, but something caught my eye the other day, and I kind of want to talk to you about it. So I'm going to go ahead and read. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us unto the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And I want to catch this one line. I'm going to come back to something a little bit later, and we'll touch on it. Uh, But right now, I want us to really focus on that line, they laid many stripes upon them. Now, that's not what caught me originally, but it's going to lead into what we're going to talk about a little bit later. So they laid many stripes upon them. And the little topic, the little thing I just want to talk to you about tonight, and I felt this is, you know, I I was trying to think about, you know, ah, what do you talk to, you know? This group about, you know, you, you, they always teach you in homiletics and in preaching. You've you got to think about your age group. And I realized I've never been up there. So <laughs> I don't know what they talk about. And the last sermon I preached was to a youth group. And I, I don't want to preach to them like I'm trying to preach at a youth group. So I hope, you know, we're on the same wavelength here. And if not, just throw something at me and say, hey, can you, can you think a little m- more mature for us? So I appreciate it. <laughs> 
But we're going to talk about scars and stripes tonight. Scars and stripes. And obviously I'm taking the inspiration from the fact that they laid many stripes upon Paul and Silas, meaning they beat them into the point of blood. They beat them until their back was ripped open and blood poured out. So I, I was thinking about scars and these type of stripes. And I remember being a kid, and I, I think this is true, for, at least for guys, you know, when you're a kid. I was always really fascinated with scars. And uh, I always thought they were kind of cool. And I think every boy at some point in his life, like you see the guy walking through the mall, and you're like, God, Dad, check that guy out. He's got scars all over his face. Man, that guy's awesome. And your dad's sitting there going, what do you mean he's awesome? You can't even tell what he looks like. He's got all these scars and stuff all over his face. But as a kid, you're like, no, no, no. The more scars you have, the tougher you are, the bigger, the better, the, the cooler you are, the more scars you can put on yourself or whatever. And I remember even, like, it doesn't matter if it was a cartoon character, a comic book character, as a kid, whoever the toughest, biggest, baddest character, the, the biggest, baddest guy at school, whoever could show you, ah, I fell off the playground right there. Monkey bars, second grade, right here. See that scars? And the girls would fall out in class because, oh, my gosh, he fell off the monkey bars and survived. Oh, my gosh. So uh, you always, like, coveted these people's scars when you were a kid saying, man, one day, one day I'm, I'm going to have some scars. One day I'm, I'm going to be big, bad, rough, and tough, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like that guy. I'm going to look like a hero. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that guy. And I think we kind of carry some of that through, and I know ladies probably didn't really think like that when you were a kid. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe there were some girls like, I just want a scar, and I say. I don't know, but I don't think there's too many ladies like that, but especially as a guy. And I think you, you carry that through as an adult, and you start hearing people's stories. You start reading stories of people in battle. You start reading the stories of people who've gone through these amazing survival of the fittest. shouldn't have been there. You know, they've even got titles, I shouldn't be alive. And you read about how they survived days and days and days with no food, no water. Their legs are broken. They had to cut their arms off and their legs off. And you're like, man, that guy, that guy's been through some stuff. Or that girl, that, that girl, she has been through some stuff. And, we, you know, human beings, you can't help it. You love a comeback story. And you love it when, against all odds, that human being is fighting tooth and nail and clawing and scratching their way. And at the end of the day, they, they come out on the other side and they're beaten, they're bloody, but, oh, they got some scars on them. And, oh, man, he's, he's been through something. And it's this natural urge we have inside of us. We see scars, and sometimes we hold scars to a standard, and we start thinking, man, I, I, need, to, I need a scar. I, I, need to go, I need to go through something. I, I need something to happen in my life. I need someone to say something to me. I, I need to do something. I, I need a scar. I, I need people to know that I, I wasn't just here, and I breathed, and I died, and it was over. I need someone to know that I went through something, that, that I was beaten down, but I'm, I'm still here. And I think we, we, we hold ourselves to that standard and we begin to maybe consciously or subconsciously, we start to look for scars or opportunities for scars. And, and to me, when I started thinking about this subject, I think people do that in three ways. Uh, we feel like we have to prove something and we, that we have to meet a standard. So number one, people scar themselves in depression. And by depression, and I know that sounds, I'm not going to really try and beat down on us here, but I, I believe people scar themselves in depression. Because our world holds up so many different types of standards, whether it be a beauty standard or uh, uh, certain standards physically. You know, men, I, I can't believe I've seen, i got this one guy at work. He's in his 50s. He is a short man about this tall, and he's an extremely kind person. But he's as portly as you can ever imagine. 
But he owns a garage gym, and he's doing all these deadlifts, and he's always coming and asking me, like, hey, when are you going to come and uh, pump the iron with me? And uh, when are you going to come lift and deadlift and all this? And I've got nothing against people working out or whatever. You want to be more fit? I could care less. Literally, I could care less. And, uh, you know, but he has been out with injuries multiple times because he's trying to lift these massive amounts of weights, trying to fit some type of standard. Like, if he can finally bench press 400, oh, man. Well, there he is, Mr. Universe. I'll tell you what, still looks like Mario, but <laughs> Mr. Universe right there, you can pump 500. You got these ladies who are going through these awful types of surgeries, and they're beating themselves down in high school, and they're beating themselves down in college trying to look, trying to paint themselves, trying to cut themselves, trying to fit some kind of beauty standard because that's what the world says. No, 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 you see these people out here in the industry, this is what they're doing, and they've reached a pinnacle of beauty that you can't reach just because of how you were born. Are you kidding me? You think just because you look like you look now, you've reached some kind of pinnacle of beauty? No, you haven't been through anything. So women are, some women are willing to go through just about any kind of surgery, any kind of program, any kind of starvation diet they can get to, to to match up to that standard. And we keep holding ourselves up to these standards and we'll do anything, anything to reach them. And I think people carry those as a scar. It says, I, I clawed and I scratched and I, I starved myself and uh, I broke my back three or four times and uh, I blew my knees out four or five times, but man, I, I still look good, don't I? I came through it all and I, I still look great. And at the end of the day, your, your knees are blown out and you don't even remember what you used to look like because you've gone through so many different surgeries and you can't even tell, you look at old pictures of yourself and you, you, you don't even recognize who you were. Because you're trying to put a scar on yourself that says, i got to change my identity. I have to live up to a standard. We look for scars that way. Number two, I think everyone, there, some people walk through life and they look through scars because they're offended by just about everything. And my God, if you've ever been on Twitter, it's like the prime source of offended people. I was blown away. I hadn't been on Twitter in like two or three years, and I pulled it out. And within 30 minutes, I had found at least five videos of the most ridiculous kinds of offended people. I'm talking about people who are willing, has anyone seen this one where they're willing to roundhouse kick a woman in the stomach because he's high or something? I don't know what's wrong with him. Or the ones who are willing to scream at senators walking into elevators. These type of videos because they're offended about something and their, their arguments aren't even logical they're not even coherent. You don't even understand what they're saying, but, oh, they're offended. And somehow, somewhere along the line, the world did them wrong. And I don't think it's just this one specific instance. I believe people walk around like this all the time. It doesn't matter what you've been through or what may or may not actually have happened to you. One person says one negative thing to you. One person says, hey, you don't, I, it could be anything. It could be any negative thing. Or maybe they could say a positive thing and you took it negative. But some people are more than determined to live their life in what I like to call victim syndrome or victim mentality. The whole world's against me. They hate me. And so I don't know what to do. And you put those scars on yourself. You, you treat yourself like a monster. You treat yourself like some kind of outcast because you believe people really do hate you. And there's people walking around the streets of Indianapolis and they carry this self-consciousness, they carry this self-loathing, they carry this self-hate this self because I don't know what I did, but the world's just against me. And it not only does the world's just against them, but why even try? So now you not only crippled yourself and you've scarred yourself saying no one likes me, so now you can't even enter like a healthy relationship or a healthy job relationship or any, any type of relationship because you are more than convinced that somebody out there has it for you. And they're against you, and it doesn't matter how hard you try, I might as well just give it all up. 
I might as well squander the rest of my life in drugs, alcohol, abuse, anything that I can just forget all of my responsibility because it doesn't matter how many times I try, I'm just going to mess it up. And every time I've tried something in my entire life, I've just messed it up. And I can't get it right, so why even try? I'm just going to waste my whole rest of my life because I'm scarred, I'm ugly, no one likes me, just pass me the next bottle. Whatever gets them through. The third type of scar is I've... I don't want to just have been a blip on the map and then just disappear the next second. And regardless of understanding that life is very fleeting and it's as a vapor and it's going to go away, some people believe I got to do as much crazy stuff as I can possibly pack into one human life as possible. It's where we get hashtag YOLO. affects my job. I don't care about anything because I'm out here to prove something and I've only got one life and I'm going to live it exactly how I want. So people push aside every responsibility and they think it's okay at the time and they think it works out for them because you see this scar? Yeah, I got that last week at the party. What do you mean you got that? I, I, I was talking to a girl at work. I work downtown so you meet all types of different people and you work with all different types of people and I walked, I walked in. I, it was kind of sad but at the same time I walked in and this girl named but uh, she's, she's wearing a boot, like she had broke her foot. And I said, hey, so-and-so, what happened to your foot? And she goes, well, it was my birthday, and we went bowling down to Punchbowl Social, and I just had like one too many drinks. She goes, so I went to bowl, and instead of bowling, I just dropped my 12-pound, 16-pound bowling ball straight onto my foot and shattered my foot. And then her next response was, I got to stop drinking. I got to stop drinking. But some people don't look at it. Some people look at it and say, you see these scars that I have? You see what I accomplished? Man, I know, I know it beat me up a little bit. And I don't know. I don't look normal anymore. And I, I've got these tattoos that I can't get off my body. And I've proved some stuff. And I don't have family members anymore that will even speak to me. I don't have friends anymore because in all of my selfish rage, I've pushed everyone away from me. And I don't have any relationships anymore. But, man, I had a good time. I don't remember any of it. But I... I yeah, I did it for me. I, I did it to prove something. And we're all out here trying to prove something, trying to gain something. I'm not saying anybody, anybody in here. I'm talking about a generation in total. If we're talking about this whole 18 to 30, 40, whatever kind of age group, if we're talking about this, everyone is out here to prove what we're in. Or we're here to prove what we're here about. And sometimes it's not even that. Some people, it's responsibility. It's I got to have this on the wall. I got to have this. I got to have this. I got to prove that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. But when it consumes your life to the point where you can't pay attention to church, family, relationships, or anything else, your life has become something about more than the will of God. You see, people are constantly out here scratching, crawling, and moving towards something. And we're trying to prove something to everyone else, and we don't even realize we're, I guess we're really just trying to prove it to ourselves. Because we look at all these pinnacles of success. We look at the stars. We, we look at the, the wealthy businessmen and 
we look at sometimes maybe even our presidents or whatever, and we say, well, they got there somehow, but man, what was the price that they paid? And how many of them do you really think are up there bragging about their scars and saying, yeah, I got these scars, but look where I am now? Or how many of you do you think go home every night crying because I cannot forget what I went through? I cannot, I cannot, I can't push these scars away. I, every time I look in the mirror, I've realized how ugly I have become because I needed it. I, I needed it. I needed more of it. Lady Gaga was a documentary the other day, and uh, we all know Lady Gaga is crazy. And I'm not going to get into the whole career thing of Lady Gaga and all that type of stuff. But in this interviews and documentary of her life, her whirlwind career, she took off like a jet. And, you know, she had been doing some work as she was younger, and she took off. And, uh, you know, she's known for her wild antics and all these type of things. And during one of her music video shoots, she's constantly dancing and jumping and falling and uh, doing all these types of things. You know, I, not, I don't know if I've actually ever seen one of her music videos, but this is what, you know, is in the the documentary so they're saying that she's doing one of her classic stunts where she jumps off something she falls off something well as she falls to the ground she fractures her hip and a lot of people i didn't know this i don't think i mean it wasn't extremely publicized but she had fractured her hip in the middle of her music video shooting and from that day forward she never got a complete fix on the hip never had a hip replacement and never had anything and now before she walks out on any stage now before she walks out on any music video shoot she's in constant chronic pain before she walks out on any stage to sing any song, she's got to deal with this right here. She's got, and they have to inject her in her back. They got to give her hip injections every time she walks out on stage because she was out there to prove something. But look at her. She's reached the pinnacle of success. She's, she's done the halftime at the Super Bowl. She's sold 80 million records. She's known worldwide. She's Lady Gaga. But every time she walks on that stage, she carries a scar because... Man, every time she goes home, she just don't feel right because she's in chronic pain. Not only does she feel chronic physical pain, but she'll even tell you straight to the camera. She'll say, you know, the people don't realize what's bad about this job is I was engaged. She said, and after my first album came out, uh, he left me because I, I poured my heart and soul into that album. I gave everything I got. I, that's what I was into. That's what I was doing. And I gave it my all. And he left me. And then I got another boyfriend, and then uh, the Super Bowl called, and they gave me the opportunity to do the Super Bowl. And, you know, I poured my, my creative and everything I could into that, and he couldn't take it, you know. I didn't have time for him, so he left me too. She goes, and then, you know, I come out with my next album, Joanne, and I, I'm doing all these things and whatever, and I, I get into another relationship, and I, I do this, and I sell 80 million, record, 80 million records, and, I, and I'm back out on the road, and I'm doing all these tours and everything. And he realized he just couldn't handle the pressure, and, he left me too. She goes, you don't understand. She goes, I am surrounded by all of this noise all day. She says, I hear people screaming my name. My managers are telling me this. My family is telling me that. And I'm surrounded by everyone all day. But when I go home at night, the worst feeling is that silence. And I realize I'm alone. You see, we carry scars. And sometimes we think these scars are worth it in the moment because at the end of the day, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to prove to everyone out there that I, I went through something, that I did something, I accomplished something because I got these scars. It's a, it's a battle scar. I proved that I won. But at the end of the day, do we look in the mirror and do we even recognize who's standing there because we're so scarred up and it doesn't really fill that void. And that's the sad thing. It doesn't matter how many times the drugs and the alcohol fade. It doesn't matter how many times that we're alone and 
the voices in the darkness, we, we, they're talking to us and they're telling you, you, you messed up. You don't even know where you're at right now. And something never seems to fulfill that spot. And we've all heard this before. It's nothing new. We all know what's supposed to go there as people in church, raised in church or in church now. We understand what's supposed to go in that spot. But these people, people out there our age trying to prove something in their lives, they can't fill it and they can't find it. Whatever it is out there, it's still bothering them and it's still driving them. And what it does is it, it breeds bitterness. It breeds this kind of bitterness in one's heart and one's soul that you can't ever really fix and you can't ever really purge. You see, the bad thing about scars is if they're not treated properly, they begin to fester and they begin to get infected. And sometimes it can grow a scar multiple times the actual size that scar should be. And at the end of the day, you just become a twisted, deformed entity of the creation God intended us to be. You see, bitterness is a terrible thing. And some people don't even realize that we're bringing it on themselves, whether it was one negative comment, one hurtful comment. It doesn't matter what it was. It was something that, it was something that hurt me. Or maybe it's, I, I did this one thing, but it's just not quite enough. I've got to reach. I don't care if I, I, I don't care if I got to push people away. I don't care if I got to push church away. I don't care if I got to push my family away. I, I just, I got to prove something. And at the end of the day, it never makes us happy. And it just begins to build and build and build and build until we're just a rusted out husk of what we used to be. You know, we all know about grace. And I, this is all building up to what I'm really going to talk about. <laughs> I'm sorry that I've gone through all of this. Believe it or not, this is not actually my point. Um, <laughs> we all understand grace. We all understand mercy. And that's the beautiful part of what we're doing right here. Being in church, living in the will of God. You see, we can go out there and do successful things. We can go out there and chase after our dreams. And we can chase after accomplishments. You know why? Because we understand that those things are great, but I'm rooted in something so much more powerful. You see, I am going to work hard. I am going to have a good work ethic. And I am out here to prove something. But above all else, I know that I'm rooted in a God who gives me more peace and more joy than I can ever find in any of my accomplishments. You see, we're not constantly scarring ourselves because we're not trying to fit a standard. We're just saying, God, I know that you've got this in your hands and I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do what you're leading me to and I'm, I'm gonna get those things on the wall and, and I'm gonna make friends and I'm gonna do well at my job and I'm gonna accomplish things. I wanna be a successful husband. I wanna be a successful wife. I wanna be a successful mother, father. I wanna have good friendships, good relationships. I wanna be a good leader. But above all else, I know if I'm gonna do that, I need you at the root cause of my life because you are the only thing that's gonna fulfill that hole in my life. So we all understand grace. And the beautiful thing is that God can take any of these people that I've talked about and he can fix that problem. He can take those scars and he can make you new. He puts that old creature away and he raises you up new. So we all understand grace. So I'm not gonna waste any more time. We, we get it, we've heard it. But there's something I just think is really interesting. You see, the three things that all those type of scars have in common is they're selfish. We think they're not. We think we're out here trying to prove something. And at the same time, we feel like we have good intentions. I'm just out here to be everything I can be. But it's selfish. Because you're not really trying to do anything for anybody but yourself. You're only trying to prove that you were worth being on the planet. And so at the end of the day, each and every one of these scars didn't mean anything. It didn't stand for anything. You just marked and twisted up your body and your mind and your soul and your spirit for absolutely nothing. Now, thank God for grace. I thank God every day because 
I've made mistakes and, and I've pushed people away and I've hurt people's feelings and I've, I've been angry because I, I felt like I've needed to prove something and I felt like I had to impress certain people and I felt like I had to talk a certain way in front of somebody and I didn't even realize I'm probably taking this out on my friends, my family, the people I love and the people I care about because I feel like I got to be something. But thank God for grace every day. You said these scars that we put on ourselves said, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. You see, I'm so thankful that God is there every day saying, I understand you're trying to be something, but do you understand that I died on a cross? You see, I had some scars. I gained some scars, but those scars weren't for me. They were for you. They were for all these other scars you've put on yourself. They were for all these things that you've done trying to prove something. And I knew you would do this. I knew that you would fall. But I died on a cross and I gained some scars so that you could be healed. Thank God for what he's done. But how does this translate to us now? How does it translate to young adults here at Calvary living in the will of God and going to church every Wednesday and Sunday and being out on the job and being apostolic? And what, is that, what does that feel like? Because, I mean, you still... You, you, so I, my faith is on Christ alone. I place my trust, and that part's good. But see, sometimes the hardest scars, this is the last type of scar I'm going to talk about. Sometimes the hardest scars to deal with are the ones you didn't ask for, the ones you didn't look for, and the ones you didn't want. You see, Paul and Silas were trying to live in the will of God trying to carry out what God had done. You see, they had been redeemed. They had been filled with the Holy Ghost. They had been baptized. And now they're fulfilling everything that God had ever called them to do in their life, which was reach out there, go out in the world, save the rest of my children, go reach them, preach to them. And in the middle of all this, while they're trying to create something good and while they're doing something good, oh, what is happening? I'm out here preaching and now I'm being stripped down and beaten bloody and being thrown in prison in stocks and bonds. Are you kidding me? I wasn't even looking for trouble. Trouble found me. I'm just trying to do the right thing. You see, a human understands scarring themselves because you're proving something to yourself. But what you can't understand and what no human mind understands is gaining a scar that you didn't want. It's planning for those things that come and hurt you and those accidents that come and attack your life that you, it's like a sickness or an accident or you fall off something and you were never prepared for that scar. I didn't want that scar. I wasn't ready for that one. And now look at this. I don't even like this. I didn't prove anything. It was an accident. It was a mistake. I, there's something wrong with me. Why? I'm just trying to live my life. Why is everyone always constantly talking about me? Why is my mom and dad not understand why I want to go to church? Why do they not understand why I want to be here? Why do they not understand why I want to live for God? Why does my boss at work don't understand why I can't work Wednesday nights or work on Sundays or can't come in late on a Sunday night because I'm at church? Why does he always bug me about that? Or why do I come back in in the morning and all my friends are coming in off their hangovers off work and they're looking at me like I'm some kind of child because I don't measure up to their, their standard? I'm just trying to live for God. I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm just trying to be what he called me to be. We hear it so much in the youth group growing up, but then when we're in adults and we're being what he called us to be, somehow some people are still throwing trash at you because that's what you're doing. You see, we're not prepared for those scars. We didn't want them. You see, that is where we feel like bitterness really should come, right? The scars I didn't ask for. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. This didn't come from my own actions. I, I just is angry to me. I didn't want this. 
Now, I wanted to live for God, and I, I want to be in everything, but I, I didn't ask for these scars. I believe the two, the, the two people in this story who should have been the most bitter about anything is not the people who lost all their money off their soothsayer. It should be Paul and Silas, the ones who were innocent and were just trying to do what they were told to do and get beaten, bloody, and they're stuck in that nasty, disgusting prison sitting there with their wounds open and getting infected, and they're just, ah. They could have had every opportunity. You see, in that cell, there was an opportunity for compromise. There was an opportunity to fail. There was an opportunity to step away and said, you know what? I'm done with this. This is not gaining me anything. I don't get anything out of this deal, God. You asked me to live for you. You asked me to do something. You asked me to stand for everything you've taught and I've ever heard preached in my life, but I ain't getting anything out of this. They don't like me at work. My family can't seem to stand me when I get around them and they don't like what I stand for. Tell me how this is fixing things in my life. But I think it's really great what we see Paul and Silas do. You see, in the midst of that test, in the midst of that trial, what do they just begin to do? They just begin to sing. And they begin to worship. And they begin to lift God up. And the, 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 we, we, we know the story. The place is shaken and the bonds are loosed and everyone runs out except for those two. And here the jailer is. He's worried because I'm about to lose my job and probably my life because I let these people go. He goes, I might as well get it over right now. And he's, he's got the sword in his throat and he's about to cut himself open. And Paul cries out and says, do not harm yourself. We're still here. You see, when people see your scars that they put on you, and you turn around and say, I'm going to praise God through that scar. I didn't ask for it. I, I didn't ask for you to give me that scar. I, I didn't want it. But you know what? It doesn't change how good God is. Just because you're evil and you hate me does not mean God's evil and God hates me. Just because your mom and dad cussed you out doesn't mean God hates you. Just because the people at your job don't understand you doesn't mean God hates you. I'm going to walk every day of my life praising God for how good he is. You understand why? Because it means something. And the jailer couldn't understand it. He was so confused. He's like, what do you mean you're still here? What do you mean you're still here? We beat you. We swore at you. We, we, we locked you up. We made fun of you. We told you you were worth nothing. Why are you still here? And through all of that, Paul and Silas still found it in their heart to reach out and say, listen, we're still here. We're going to help you. He said, how can I be saved? And Paul and Silas began to explain to him the price of salvation and everything about salvation. And this is what I really want to talk about. This is the verse that caught me so hard. And it just it blew me away. It said in verses uh, in Acts 16, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straight away. You see, I'd never caught that before, that he washed their stripes. Here's this jailer who was, who was, committed to all these people who are beating them and putting them in prison, all of a sudden realizing you can't, you can't beat these people down. You can't, you can't make them quit. You can't kill them. Oh, there's something to this. And he began to wash their stripes. You think what I think is so amazing is while God was beginning to work on his nasty, scarred, ugly life, the things he had put on his life, and while God was beginning to pull out those scars and pull out that infection and pull out and say, I'm going to wash your stripes, that jailer turns around and begin to wash the stripes of his ministers. You see, what makes every stripe that you could ever gain while serving the cause of Christ worth it is seeing that one soul walk back down to an altar and say, you know what? I don't understand why these people are still here. I don't understand why they're here in the kind of culture we live in, but there's something to this, and I'm going to give my life to God. 
we may not understand it at the moment, and living for Christ is not always comfortable, but there's always going to be someone who's going to need it. So I'd rather live my scar, I'd rather live my life gaining scars for God's kingdom than gaining scars for myself. If I'm going to be beaten, I'd rather be beaten knowing it's all for God's glory. It's all for God's glory. I'm doing something that means something. You really want to prove something to this world? Stand for something. Don't gain scars for yourself and scars on your own heart and scars on your own mind. If I'm going to get scarred up for something, it's going to be seeing someone walk back down to an altar filled with the Holy Ghost in the baptismal tank. We're going to see a revival come and I could care less what happens to me because I know there's a church out there. I know there's a family member in my life who needs this. I know there's a friend out here lost, beaten, and broken who has tons of scars and they're on my life. That's what's worth it. They own these kind of scars that are worth it in my book are the ones you didn't ask for. The ones you just gained because you were doing the right thing. And at the end of the day, all those scars get to cleaned out. There shouldn't be any bitterness. You know why? Paul and Silas could have been bitter, but they said, no, it's all worth it. I understand what I'm doing right now is worth it because we're going to see his kingdom come. We're all going to meet up together in heaven. And all of a sudden, all that pain, all that bitterness that could have been there is instantly washed out. You see, we have such an opportunity, such an opportunity to reach. When people see you, they may not understand you. They may not understand us. The professors may cuss you out and tell you everything you believe in is a lie. And I know I've said it, but they're not going to understand it. It's going to hurt, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And, you're, and we're not going to like it. We're not going to like it when people put us in tough spots at work and asking us all kinds of questions about what we believe or make snide comments about calling you religious or, oh, don't say anything around that guy. He'll, he'll freak out because he's religious. It may hurt. It may make you frustrated. But at the end of the day, when that person is lost, who are they going to look for? You see, the only scars I want in my life are the one who resemble Christ. Because Christ was scarred for my iniquities. He was scarred for my sins. And those, those nail prints in his feet, in his hand, and that spear print in his side, they weren't for him. Those were scars of sacrifice. You see, a scar that is washed properly, a scar that is washed properly, according to the American Academy of Dermatology, if a wound is treated correctly, it reduces the chance or size of a scar. I understand that as long as I'm serving God and I'm in the will of God and I'm walking and I'm doing what I can do, people may try and scar me. But I know that if it's washed out by knowing that at the end, I'm going to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Those scars shouldn't even matter. I may never even see him. I may never even notice they're there again because they were washed correctly. I'm kind of closing up, and I don't know how you guys usually close. I, you know, like I said, it's my first time up here. I just appreciate you all listening for this long. But I just want to talk about this one last story. I was listening to Dr. Larry P. Arn. Uh, he was downtown at the JW Marriott giving a speech, and it was during election time, and it was between Trump and Hillary, and so tensions were high and everything. And he runs Hillsdale College, which is a very uh, privately owned conservative college. He is the, I think, leading scholar in Winston Churchill now. He's like the official documentarian of Winston Churchill now. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So he is, he is now that. So he was asked a question, put a question at the very end of the day. And they asked him, they said, uh, Dr. Arn, what, what do you think about this? You know, obviously, we know we're a week away from the election, and uh, there's an extremely high chance that things aren't going to go our way. And she was obviously speaking as a conservative. Most people who were there were conservative. 
she's saying, you know, there's a, there's a really good chance that the wrong person's going to get in and uh, things aren't going to go our way. And this country could get really uncomfortable for us really quick. And the atmosphere is not going to be to my liking really quick. And I was so shocked and surprised by Dr. Arndt's passivity. Not passivity in a bad way, but he just looked at her and he said, you know, I don't really worry about it. He said, because, you know, if you study out people and victory, he said, in World War II, in the bombing of Britain, he said they were constantly being bombed day after day, week after week, and it went on, and it went on, and the people, frankly, were beaten down. They were tired. They were out of their homes. Their homes had been destroyed. Their families had been taken away from them, shipped out to the countryside. They, they, you know, Britain, the once great nation, was seemingly brought down to its knees, except for Winston Churchill, who refused to quit fighting. And there was an opportunity, again, for compromise. In fact, some people wanted Winston Churchill. He had an opportunity to set up a meeting with Hitler himself and see if they could work out a deal. Maybe they could work out a deal for the land of Britain. And Winston Churchill turned around and he said, hope is reinforced by the idea that you can die well. Meaning, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out as the British nation. We're going to go out as the British Empire. I'm not giving one ounce away just because things are going to get uncomfortable for us. Just because things are not going to be the way we like it. Just because things are going to get hard does not mean I'm going to change what I believe in. You know why? Because at the end of the day, Britain came out all right. The U.S. came out all right. The world came out all right. You see, it took someone standing and believing for something that said, no, I'm not going to make that compromise because I understand it doesn't matter what test, what trial, what kind of conviction I can go through. It's all going to be worth it in the end because I stood on something. I believed in something. So I don't know tonight. I don't know how you close out if there's music or whatever. I just encourage us to maybe kind of look a little bit inward. What kind of scars are we carrying in our lives? Is it maybe, maybe it is a negative comment that we've kind of held on to from someone else a long time ago. And maybe we don't even realize it's there until we see that person or we have a conversation. You remember it. You still get angry about it. And man, that, that's a scar. Or maybe we just, we look around the room and we start comparing ourselves to where everyone else is at and what everyone else is doing. And uh, man, we just don't like that. And so we start to put that kind of weight on ourselves. If that's your scar, fine. Or maybe you just simply say, God, I don't understand what you're doing in my life. But I, I know that you've called me to this place. I know I'm in your will. I know I'm doing the right thing. I just need a little bit of encouragement. There's hope in the fact that we know God paid the price for all scars. He died on a cross for us. And at the end of the day, at the back of the book, we win. We go to heaven. So I'm going to hand this back over to Brother Brzezinski, Zach. If you have something in your heart, I, I, I encourage you to look inward and pray about it. Seek after God because I promise if we can worship him in spirit and in truth, all those scars that we may feel are going to be washed away. They're going to be treated as only a God who's all-powerful, who has all healing in his hands, can treat it. And he's going to take that pain, and he's going to start pulling it out bit by bit, saying, I understand it hurt in that moment, but here, let me take that for you. In Jesus' name, thank you all for letting me be here.